on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. It's episode 29, the last of our 20s. I'm Karen Bashir, and joining me as ever, Dave Baker. Dave, how are you to start with? Doing well, Bash. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. Uh, lots to discuss this week. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting getting down to the final uh, stages of, of the Sabre competitions, which is great. Yeah, lots of general chitter-chatter. Anything standing out for you at the moment? Yeah, I think pretty regularly through the qualification period, we've had the discussion about Russia uh, that clearly you know, have got this ban from the uh, IOC because of uh, drug uh, allegations. I think what we've looked at, and obviously we don't have an answer, Bash, in terms of what uh, what's going to happen to them and regardless of the Olympics, but uh, the way I look at it is we look at historical examples. So we look at the last Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang and Russia was able to compete there, albeit under a neutral flag, uh, and they were able to qualify in the in the team events um, based on you know the, the, the work that they've done as the Russian team. So we don't know what's going to happen. Keep saying this. We don't know. I'm not Thomas Bach, but uh, I think you would think that the good chance that they'd be there in one form or another. Yeah, one thing we can say for sure is that the the Russians are competing both individually and uh, in the team competitions um, as normal. As you say, just to add a little bit more detail to the Pyeongchang story, the the individual federations were were left. The international federations were left with the decision about. Uh, whether athletes uh, were uh, guilty of doping and whether they should be banned. So at the moment, um, it's looking like uh, the Russian athletes will be competing under the neutral flag uh, in the sport of fencing as what they are with other sports. Uh, but I'm sure that story will go on. But uh, this podcast is not about Russia. <laughs> it's about fencing. And it, this one in particular is about men's sabre. Uh, we had a, an interesting competition at the weekend, interesting because of uh, its location change. It was um, it was actually held uh, in Luxembourg, the Luxembourg men's sabre competition, originally based uh, or originally scheduled to take place in Padua, it then got moved to Tauber Bischofstein, and then it got moved uh, eventually from Tauber uh, to Luxembourg. And it was a, a tripartite event, in fact, uh, the German Federation, French Federation and the Luxembourg Federation coming together to put the event on. Uh, with uh, the coronavirus uh, hitting the news everywhere around the world, uh, the event was held Behind closed doors, uh, we did have some live streaming, courtesy of the French Federation, uh, but not everything. Uh, so it's a, a little bit tricky to follow. Uh, but uh, well, that's what we're here to talk about, Dave. Uh, going into the competition, uh, the team situation is where we always start. Korea, Hungary, Italy and Germany holding the automatic qualification spots with Russia, Iran, the USA and Egypt holding the zonal spots. So what did we know before we went into the competition about uh, team qualification? Obviously, we knew that Korea were pretty strong uh, going to the Olympics uh, and that we'd be looking for strong results from uh, the European teams, uh, Italy, Hungary, Germany, Russia, France. Uh, And then we had a pretty good idea of uh, where the zonals were going to go. It wasn't all confirmed because, you know, at the time they had sort of Two, still two World Cups to go, but Iran, USA and Egypt were all well inside the 16 and looking pretty strong. So that's where we started. Yeah, and uh, our top four uh, sitting in those automatic qualification spots, Korea, Italy, uh, Germany and Hungary, 
made the top four in in that order. In fact, Korea winning it, beating Italy in the final, Germany beating Hungary for the bronze medals. But let's just go round by round because I think you know that kind of tells the story. Uh, Japan lost to Belarus in the round of thirty two. So. Their fate, as far as I could work out, was no longer just in their hands. Yeah, you can't be losing to uh, can't be losing to Belarus if you want to go to the Olympic Games. And they started the day with Iran a long way ahead of them. Uh, so that was pretty much that. And what about Egypt? They were they made it through the thirty two, uh, beating Belgium. Did that uh, secure their qualification? Yeah, absolutely. And they can't be caught, and they also cannot be knocked out of the top sixteen. Uh, they're yeah, ninth on my rankings, um, which is better than their FIE ranking of eleven. They've have had a good season. They deserve to go to the Olympic Games. This is not a token African team, Egypt. They're a, they're a good team. So just to clarify, after the thirty two, we could safely say that Iran and Egypt were qualified for the Olympic Games. Absolutely. Okay, so we move into the sixteen then. Uh, China. Well, they went out to the USA, but Iran went through. As we know, they they were already uh, into the games. Could China stay in contention by getting a result in the in the back table, as you call it? No, as soon as they lost. I mean, really, yeah. So let's 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 clarify that. So it was really China losing, as as they were the closest real um, competitor to Iran. So it was China not really, and they needed medals. Bash. This was not, you know, just mm. scrape scrape a sixth or a seventh. Um, you know, Iran have been doing that all year. It's really we needed China to be pulling off an upset and getting a gold or a silver medal, which unlikely, you know, you would say. Uh, so it was really China losing confirmed that uh, Iran wouldn't have any challenges. Well, there you go. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, all the big teams making it through to the round of uh, 16, including France, uh, were any of them qualified at that point? Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a good question. I think it was more, it was once we, it was a, knowing our top four was most important. To be honest, Bash, that was that was really as soon as we knew that we had big teams in the four, then yeah. we could make it. We could make some pretty pretty. Um, we could make some mathematical assertions of who was going to the games. Okay, well, let's be thorough and look at that uh, top eight. The, the the big thing for me was uh, France and Russia going out because effectively they were in the big race. Uh, and they went out alongside the USA and Iran to go into the five to eight placings. And in fact, France and Russia faced each other in the uh, fifth place playoff. Uh, how how important did the result of that match turn out to be? Yeah, this is going to be an ongoing ongoing battle. It's been one all season, sort of France getting better, Russia not really performing as well as they would have liked. And I think as well, Germany winning in the in the eight um, was critical for them for for qualification. There was a risk that a good German. Uh, Good Russian result or a good French result um, could have put some uh, put some stress on the Germans, uh, but a good win there um, secures their place, which is great. Uh, and then, yeah, this France uh, France got another crucial win over over that Russian team, narrowed the gap a little bit. Okay, so what do we know now? Let's just remind everybody: Korea won the event from Italy. Germany took the bronze medal, beating Hungary in that third place playoff. Uh, so, as a result of uh, uh, the uh, competition in Luxembourg. What do we now know? Who has qualified by team? So we know that our top four in Luxembourg are going to the Olympic Games. So if we've got Korea, Italy and Hungary, they're also confirmed in the top four. So they have to stay there. Germany are also qualified for the Olympic Games. They're not necessarily qualified in the top four, but the only teams that can catch them are European teams. So it doesn't really matter so much whether they finish fourth or fifth, 
they're going to the Olympic Games either in the top four or as the best European team. And because it's a European swap, it doesn't affect any of the other zonal places. Um, we know Iran are qualified, USA are qualified, Egypt are qualified, which leaves us just one battle, and that's whether Russia are going to go to the Olympics or France are going to go to the Olympics. It will be one or the other. Right, so seven of the eight teams we now know are qualified uh, through the, the, the competition route, if you like. Uh, and what is the exact situation between uh, that last race between uh, Russia and uh, and France? I mean, for a start, you mentioned that uh, Germany could be bumped out of the top four. I'm taking it that either both of or one of Russia or France can do that. Yep, absolutely. Um, but again, as you say, it doesn't much matter for the Germans. Uh, they, they're qualified. They're going to the games anyway. So Russia are six points ahead on the rankings. Um, and it's complicated that they've only they've got a slight Russia have got a slightly better fourth placed result. So France can catch up a little bit more. So even though they're six points behind, they can catch up a little bit more points. Uh, but the maths is actually pretty simple. So if um, if uh, Russia finished sixth or fifth, um, France needs to finish fourth. So France needs to finish fourth. Uh, if Russia make the uh, make the top. Uh, Make the top four. If Russia get into the semi-finals, France needs to be ahead of them at some point. Just ahead of them. So if if if, if they if they let's say they both go out in the semi-finals, it'll be a bronze medal match for the Olympic Games. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. So that's the the last race to be concluded. And where are we going to be going to to conclude that race? Back to Budapest. Back to the side of the World Championships. Fantastic stuff, and what a great place to uh, finish off the Sabre qualification. Uh, and that, of course, is uh, 20th to the 22nd of March, just uh, 10, 12 days from now. Some uh, some pretty good commentary, I believe, there as well, Bash. Is that right? Well, I don't know about that. I'll be there for sure. <laughs> uh, travel travel uh, plans pending, of course. Uh, but yes, no, that, the, the, the current situation is that I will be going there. Uh, but um, it's quite possible that you may be there as well. well, we'll have to. Uh, more, yeah, more on that later. <laughs> more on that later. But of course, that's not. Just, it's not just the teams that we're looking at there. Uh, it is, of course, the individuals as well. So let's uh, let's move into that uh, discussion about the individuals. Uh, go, going into the competition in in Luxembourg, uh, the two European spots were held by Apati and Bazadze, the Frenchman and the Georgian. Uh, the African spot was held by Fajani, uh, Gordon of. Canada held the Pan-American spot and Wang of China held one of the Asian spots along with the Japanese fencer Yoshida. The results uh, in uh, Luxembourg, well, they saw uh, Aaron Zilagi taking his second title in a row. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? The double reigning Olympic champion uh, coming into fine form in Olympic year. Uh, that, that should be a very interesting story to watch. Uh, Gu Bongil picked up the silver with his teammate Osanguk collecting the bronze along with Vyanamin uh, Reshetnikov of Russia. Uh, so, Dave, let's just have a look at, well, Zilagi won the competition, so let's start with uh, the, the European situation. Apathy leading the way. He went out in the round of 64 but if my maths is right I don't think he can be caught by Anstead anymore and I, I say Anstead because Anstead's job was in order to qualify was not only to get into the second European spot he also had to be the best Frenchman so he had to overtake Apathy. Yeah Vincent Anstead had a uh, had a tough ask ahead of him to be honest yeah yeah Apathy is, is a long way ahead so um 
whether he goes with the team or whether he goes as an individual, uh, he's going to the Olympic Games. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, Apathy qualified one way or another. Uh, Sandro Pizzazzo made the uh, 16, and I, I did some maths here. And, uh, you know, I don't have your fancy spreadsheets. They were all done on the back of a fag packet, and I do that with inverted commas. Of course, I don't have any fag packets uh, myself, uh, but uh, done on the back of a scrap of paper. And I, uh, my calculations were, without going into why this is, that, but... Bazzati cannot be overtaken by enough Europeans, whatever happens. And even though he sits in second place, I think he's qualified. Yep, he's qualified. Okay, well, let's get into that, right? <laughs> because we st- we, t- we talked about Russia-France. That's the last team race going on. Yep. Apathy uh, sits in the French team, obviously, and the French are not qualified at the moment, but have a chance to qualify, as you alluded to. If France qualify, Russia drop out of qualification as a team. Yep. So now their fence has come into play. And let's go back to that bronze medal for Yanomin Reshetnikov. How much did that result count for him if Russia were to drop out of team qualification? Yeah, he's now in contention. I mean, Ibrahimov's sort of been the best Russian, I mean, all, all season, right, Bash? Um, yeah. So that's now getting very close. So, I mean, the reason why Badzadze is qualified is, you know, the universe of potential possibilities for the team qualification is either Russia or France, so not both. So there just aren't any other Europeans that can overtake Sandro. So we know that he will be joined by a Frenchman or a Russian, one of the two, but it can't be both because one of those two teams has to go and everyone else is qualified. Um, So if we go to looking at if it's a Russian scenario so the french team qualify and russia don't qualify um ibrahimov is only only one point ahead of reshantikov which is really interesting and it's not just that you can go and get a last 64 because and get your two points and overtake him because of the quirks of the qualification system you only count your best five results so reshantikov's got to find a result to replace his lowest place uh lowest result to replace is a last 32. So if he gets a last 32, he's standing still, Bash. Right. So he needs to improve on that last 32. So nightmare scenario for Benjamin Reshetnikov is France has a storming day, wins the teams, and he only makes a last 32 at a World Cup, and he misses out by a point. Um, So he's going to need at least a 16 at least to have, because, I mean, obviously this has all happened the day before, hasn't it? Mm-mm. So we're going to be looking really closely at and probably going to make them pretty fired up for the team events because uh, they're, they're going to know that one of them is going to miss out if they don't do well in teams. Um, so, yeah, they'll be very interesting. But, yeah, if uh, Reshetnikov can break uh, Kamil Ibrahimov's heart with a, um, with a 16 or better, assuming Kamil doesn't do better, and obviously exactly. he's a phenomenal fencer, and inside the top 16, so sorry, inside the top 16 of the world, so he'll go straight to the 64. So he'll have a great chance to um, to improve as well. It is fascinating. Look, let's just clarify everything here. If Russia uh, remain in the qualification position, it's going to be Bollard Apathy of France and Sandro Bazadze of Georgia will qualify uh, in the two European in the two European spots. If France qualify, Apathy goes anyway, yep. and it will be a race between Ibrahimov and Reshetnikov 
for the Russian spot along with Bazadze. So Bazadze is also going to the Olympic Games, whatever happens. Yeah. But let's just go back to that uh, Russian conundrum, let's call it. Friday, Saturday, for Ibrahimov just Saturday uh, at the Budapest World Cup, um, it's going to be high stakes, high pressure, especially if Roshetnikov makes it through to that 64. He's um he's actually in the 64 with uh, with that bronze medal. He's moved inside the 16. Ah, right. Well, so, there we go. So we, know, so we know that it's all going to be on Saturday for the Russians. Yeah. And... Uh, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to, it's worth discussing the fact that they are going to be thinking about their individual situation, assuming they know that this is what the case oh, is. They know, they know. And I know they know. Go, yeah. <laughs> right, I, I believe you. I know you're yeah, regular contact uh, through social media and other forms of communication with lots of the teams. But, I mean, what a fascinating situation for both of them. They've got to effectively go head to head on Saturday yep. and then come together as a team with one of them knowing that if the Russian team fail, they're going to the Olympic Games or they're not going to the Olympic Games. Uh, this is why we do this, Bash. I love it. Absolutely fascinating. I can't wait for the uh, for our preview podcast on that one. We'll go more Ooh. into that later. So that's the European individual situation sorted out. Uh, let's discuss uh, Asia. Uh, it's uh, another, another great uh, result for the Koreans in the individual with Gu and Oh. Uh, standing on the podium but of course uh, they're qualified by team at the moment and uh, Wang the Chinese fencer was leading the Asian race he went out in the preliminary 64 but his teammate Ju made the 16 how does that change things yeah he's been leapfrogged so Ju uh, Yin Ming jumps over and he's ahead by uh, just just the two points from Wang so this is going to go down right to the wire so what Wang needs to do to get over, he's got two points behind. His worst result is one and a half points. So it's three and a half points needed. Uh, so that means a 32. Now, 32 would do just fine uh, to, to jump over by that half a point over Zhu. Zhu's worst results, just for clarity, is a four-point result. So that's a 32. So Zhu can't improve his points total unless he makes the last 16. So you'd say that Wang, if he makes the last 32, um, is probably in pole position to go to the games. Right. Another interesting little battle going on there. Um, look, we know that Yoshida uh, was uh, also in that uh, qualification position for Asia, but he also went out in the preliminary 64. But I had a good old look through the, the results, and to me, it didn't look like the closest chaser was there. Uh, yeah, there's a few. They're sort of off the back of the list a little bit. Um uh, we sort of had to. I've had a couple of discussions with uh, two of the potential Yoshida chasers. Uh, everyone wants to know exactly what they need to do. Um, mm-hmm. So Vu Tranan from uh, Vietnam is the closest. Uh, so he is uh, 2.25 points behind Yoshida, and he doesn't have five counting results. He actually hasn't been at many of the competitions, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. I didn't couldn't quite get it out of him why he hasn't been. Um, so he would need a 32 to overtake Yoshida. But I'd say there's a pretty good chance. Yoshida hasn't been fencing well, uh, hasn't been scoring points. So there's a good chance, I'd say. Um, and then Yusuf El-Shamlin is the ne- from Kuwait is the next mm. closest. Uh, and unfortunately for Yusuf, he is 4.25 points behind when you take into account his fifth result. Uh, so that means a 32 isn't good enough. 32 only gets you the four points. So he's going to need a 16. 
and uh, his coach wasn't uh, Marco Siesto wasn't very happy about uh, about that. He thought maybe a thirty two might be enough, but thirty two unfortunately would leave him a very cruel point two five points behind. So, well, who knows? I mean, it's it's, it's certainly an interesting uh, situation. First Kuwaiti uh, fencer could be fencing at this Olympic Games, uh, first uh, Kuwaiti at the Olympic Games. But, uh, yeah, 16, that's a big ask, especially in Budapest. Yeah, and it's a tough, you know, men's sabre, it's so tight uh, at the top. You know, the, the quality is is astonishing. So even to win a match, you know, and these boys obviously have to fence through Friday as well, uh, presumably coming up against a pretty top seed early. And, and if you're not getting a top seed in the 64, you are getting a top seed in the 32. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's going to need something special, but you know, if you want to go to the Olympic Games, maybe you have to pull out something special. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that uh, race for the second Asian spot. Um, let's go on to Africa then. A fairly simple conversation, I think. Uh, Faris Vajani leading the race, and he made a T16. He made the round of 16 in uh, Luxembourg. He's got to be confirmed for Tokyo now, right? Oh, I like the easy questions, Bash. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Faris, <laughs> Faris is going to the Olympic Games. Uh, you know, we all know the Fajani family is a very famous one in fencing, so... Uh, well done to Salah and Ayub and uh, and Faraz and the whole Fajani family. It's uh, that'll be second Olympic Games. He was there as a youngster in Rio. Yeah, congratulations. So uh, last zone to look at is the Pan Am zone. Shaw uh, Gordon leading the race, but he went out in the preliminary one two eight. But to me, it looked like no one really capitalised on a, a potential open door. Yeah, he's not quite there, Charles. I mean, he's been. After you know phenomenal uh, phenomenal world championships amongst others, he's been top of the pile all season. Uh, he's now only got one true contender left because uh, Pascal de Teller has finally got uh, too far away. But it's yeah, his uh, Rio twenty sixteen uh, uh, compatriot uh, Joseph Pelosifakis, uh from Canada, and but Joseph would need a silver medal at a minimum in the individual event. So that's now starting to become not to say unlikely, but. Um, you're getting down to, you know, realms of possibility. And it's, I'd say uh, Charles is nearly there and we'll find out on Saturday. Maybe we'll find out on Friday. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we will. Well, here we go. Look, here's a summary of the situation. Sandro Bazadze of Georgia and Faris Vajani of Tunisia confirmed as qualifiers uh, through the individual route for Tokyo 2020. Bard Apti also confirmed as a qualifier, but we don't know whether he's going to be taking an individual spot or whether the French team will jump Russia uh, in the team qualification, but we do know that Apathy will be there. He's almost certainly going to be in the French team should they qualify. Uh, the race is still on for the uh, that uh, European spot and more will become clear after the event on Sunday in Budapest, uh, the team event. Uh, Charles Gordon, as Dave said, is nearly there in the Pan Am spot. And I think really after uh, Budapest, we'll be talking about him and congratulating him for qualifying for the Olympic Games. The race is still on in Asia, but it's Zhu Yingmin of China currently sitting in the top spot with uh, Yoshida Kento of Japan in the second spot. So, Dave, uh, remind us where we are going for the final qualifier. One more to go, Bash. We're going to Budapest. Budapest, the uh, 20th to the 22nd of March. And then we'll know who's qualified both in teams and the individual for Tokyo 2020 and the men's sabre disciplines. Dave, thanks as always. Cheers, Bash. And thanks to all of you for listening. We've got a couple more podcasts to record. Uh, so uh, do stay tuned for more on Women's Sabre and, of course, the Grand Prix in Budapest. Pest.